You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. You made it from your Halloween evening to the morning that follows. Thank you for hanging out, giving us some of your time, chilling with us. We appreciate you. I'm Bill Ryder, as you just heard. Thomas, pretty daddy, farmer, DeCelestino is the executive producer in New York at DeCel CBS. Andrew Bogish, extraordinaire broadcaster, headline deliverer, D-Cell Whisperer. We'll be with us in about 20 minutes. We're excited to be here. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. We need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket Can. We're going we're gonna, to uh, run the gamut today, the yin and the yang. Or as I once wrote in a newspaper story in Arkansas, the yin and the yang. That's how you learn you're an idiot. People tell you especially when you're a newspaper reporter back in the day. Uh, serious stuff, not so serious stuff. We will circle back to Kyrie Irving. The response from some of the folks in that community, Steve Nash, who I like, and his very uninspiring comments after the game, Kyrie Irving's no-show, post-game cowardice, and the uh, drivel, hatred, anti-Semitism, and stupidity that just flooded into my social media. Can we just call it anti-social media? Can we can we just start calling it that instead of social media? Talked about that story yesterday. It's serious. We'll probably do it at the close of the show. We'll do some NFL power rankings between now and then. We'll talk the World Series. Game 3 rained out yesterday. And Alana Rizzo will tell us whose advantage that serves. And we'll get into some other aspects of the game, of the series. We'll, um, I got a Halloween story. I've got... A really disturbed Halloween got weird in, 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 in Southern California. Really strange. I'm just going to tell you what happened in about 20 minutes. And, and I want to know whether I'm right or wrong to think maybe the person who did this should just take a break from Halloween next year. Just you're not, you are not allowed to do Halloween, sir. Or maybe he should get an award. I'm honestly not sure. If you want to weigh in after that or before that or anything, 855 212 cbs Again, slower. Because I talk fast. 855, if you're writing it down, right? Slow down, writer. I got it. 212, okay, to catch up. 4, CBS. Call us. Twitter sports writer for me, sports. R-E-I-T-E-R. Not a good night for the Bengals. A lot of scary things out there. There were children crying because they didn't understand what Halloween was. I was dressed as um, Ghostface, the scream killer. Made three kids cry. Felt pretty bad. My son made me do it. Um, it was spooky at night when, when you know, here in L.A. there was a half moon. But I don't think anything was as scary as watching Joe Burrow run for his proverbial life on the football field against a Browns team that dominated him and set the Bengals' season back pretty thoroughly. Cincinnati falls to, what, 4-4. Four and four. It's a 32-13 beatdown. And there's a lot of ways you can go, right? Bengals had started 0-2, trying to figure it out. Can they turn their season around? Jamar Chase goes down. We talked on the show yesterday, their star wide receiver. To what degree can they navigate that? It will be fine. And today, in response to the loss, to the fact Joe Burrow got sacked five times again, and he leads the NFL in games in which he has been sacked five, five-plus times. Not two-plus. You're not stretching the stats here. Five-plus times. In a game where... The Browns really were able to click on all cylinders. Nick Chubb was excellent and is having quietly, because the Browns have had a quiet season, a really, really nice individual effort over the course of this year, this season. Jacoby Brissett had the best game he's had probably in years. 
and, and that Browns defense was was thorough and impressive and pulls their team to, what, 3-5 and five as they await, and I've talked about this, for me, the unfortunate return of Deshaun Watson. They're trying to keep that team above water. But the big spotlight, the big full moon Halloween light that shined down on that game and that has resonated this morning is the sky is falling. The The Bengals are, are, are imposters. They're not very good. And I'm going to, I wasn't going to, but... um. Cell said to me this morning, Bill, I need more literature and poetry in the show. And I said, Tom, whatever you need. There is a poem, I don't know who it's by, Homer or something, I don't know, uh, that opens one of Ernest Hemingway's books. I don't know which one. It could be For Whom the Bell Tolls, it could be The Sun Also Rises, it's not The Sun Also Rises. It could be, I don't know, Throw to Arms, I'm not sure. And I'm going to misquote it, because that's all I got for you. But it's some version of no man is an island unto himself. And then it goes on in a really poetic way to say we're all part of a bigger whole. And it's a very fancy-schmancy way of saying you can't do it alone. And that's where I come down on, on Joe Burrow. Please spare me the Joe Burrow's not as good as he should be or this Bengals team can't get it done or I saw this this morning. We just saw that Jamar Chase is the reason that, that Burrow's a star. Or last year, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, D-Cell. Last year's Bengals run was an anomaly. I don't think so. I think they're ahead of schedule. I think the offensive line is a disaster. And I think, to quote the famous poet who's not famous enough for me to remember how to do it properly, what his name is, no man is an island. And, and that includes Mr. Burrow. And here are some facts, by the way. Uh, Joe Burrow Entering this season, obviously highly celebrated quarterback, had returned from injury, and last year, in a surprise, got his team to the playoffs, and then in a bigger surprise, led them all the way to the Super Bowl, including beating that Kansas City Chiefs team that we all thought was the favorite. That was true. He was excellent entering this season. His career, now this includes last night's game, but his career against the Browns, 0-4, 4 interceptions, 7 fumbles, sacked 17 times. Sometimes certain teams have your number. And sometimes, and this is related, you go on the road in the National Football League and you lose games. I won't even say that you shouldn't, but that you're going to. That's part of the deal. Nobody goes undefeated. Sorry, Eagles fans, you're not going to either this season. You're not. I'm not sweating in the long run the Bengals. I'm not sweating in any way, long or short run, despite last night's pretty brutal performance, Joe Burrow. Burrow last night had 13 of his throws that ended up behind or at the line of scrimmage. That's only the third most of his career. Just to give you a sense of how much pressure the guy was under. Yeah, he got sacked a bunch of times, and he turned the ball over a bunch of times, but he also had grown men moving at him at the speed of light who weigh 300 pounds or 280 pounds in his grill as he threw again and again and again 13 times. Now, Burrow's going to be fine. And maybe that football team at some point will be fine. The story that hasn't changed, and I think the reminder of the excellence of Joe Burrow, and yeah, Jamar Chase would have helped, is that he does this without an offensive line. There's absolutely no help and no protection. And you know what happens when you have an offensive line that is, I'm talking physically, strength and speed and size and talent-wise, the equivalent of me and Bogish and D-Sound, i got to have a... And Stuart Kovacs, throw him in there. You know what happens? Not only does your quarterback get destroyed, but your running back can't run the football. And that was another issue from yesterday. There was no run game. And, I, I, again, I saw some, well, without the run game to help Burrow and no chase to bail him out, this was inevitable. It's all inevitable. 
it, what's a miracle is the fact that Burrow plus Chase has equaled a dynamic offense at times despite the absolute horror show, the horror fest on Halloween we saw last night. And I'm with Zach Taylor here coming off, again, not a good loss, 4-4, four and four, it's a problem, they have work to do. But I'm with the head coach in Cincinnati that this loss, despite the box score, was not and is not on that quarterback. The two turnovers, you know, you're, you're, you know, if you're looking to assess blame, that's a difficult thing to do because one of them is just a, a blocked defensive end who got his hand up and made a good play, and the other one is, is as you're going to throw to what appeared to be an open guy, you know, he got his hand hit. So that's tough because both those drives took points off the board and maybe some early momentum. And um, so then you're talking about slow starts and all that stuff, when in reality we had two, two good drives there and, and uh, they just made plays. Let me give you a reminder that the name of the game in the National Football League, among many other things, but the main name of the game is to have a quarterback of excellence who's good enough to lead you all the way. That's number one. That is it. That is number one. And number two, and I think we've seen this to a degree in Green Bay, is that when you have that quarterback, if you can arm him with a weapon or weapons offensively, it is a huge boon. There's a reason the Rams won the Super Bowl, bring in a bunch of talent in that respect. There's a reason that the San Francisco 49ers this year saw in Christian McCaffrey an opening in a pretty crowded NFC picture. There's a reason, despite the absence of Tyreek Hill in Kansas City, guys like Travis Kelsey are difference makers from Holmes. Oh, and when he's played, there's a reason that Tua Tungavaloa has been outstanding. And I'm not taking anything away from Tua, but you've got in Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill absolute speedsters who are excellent wide receivers. It matters. And so if you can get the building blocks of a championship-caliber team, that's a quarterback, and the ability to help him, you've got a future. What Cincinnati hasn't done are the basics around that. Build a defense that's reliable, and especially when it comes to any quarterback. Build a, and really an excellent offensive line would be excellent, but we've seen from Mahomes in Kansas City, if you build a serviceable offensive line and you have the other excellence, you can make it work. But the Bengals don't have that. So with all respect to the Jets, and poor Zach Wilson's easy to pick on, with all respect to the Giants, who have a really good record, hell, man, with all respect to the Eagles, who, who I sort of buy, I'd much rather have a Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase combo over the next three or four years than any of the combos you can point to on any of those other teams that are presumably playoff bound. Are the Bengals in trouble this year? Yes. Do they need to find a way to protect Joe Burrow with a personnel that obviously can't do it? And it's not easy against the Browns. Yes, they do. But is there some kind of permanent, the sky is falling reality? No, we knew this about Cincinnati. We understood that this team, that this organization overachieved last year. And the real problem is the front office hasn't, didn't go out and fix the primary issue. That they have a quarterback, and we saw it, who's capable of being on his own with the right help, Jamar Chase being that guy, is capable of taking his team further than people would suspect. Almost all the way. Maybe all the way. But he's got to have some help. And that was the story for me of the game last night. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to say the sky has fallen permanently. I actually think Cincinnati is really well positioned. And the advantage they have, I think, is that last year's run of the Super Bowl, well, well and, and again, I'm not saying that D-Cell said anomaly. I'm not, I'm not calling out D-Cell for anomaly. But if you thought it was anomaly, I think it's actually accurate. But let me offer it some context here. They were ahead of schedule. It was an anomaly in the sense that it shouldn't have happened this soon last year's run of the Super Bowl for Cincinnati, but it was an indicator. Oh, my God, look what Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who, who again, injured for several weeks, including last night. Look what Joe Burrow can do. Look what he's capable of. Look at the mental toughness. Look at the leadership. Look at the, the, the pure football excellence. And so it is an indicator 
to Cincinnati that they already have the most important building block and building blocks you need in the National Football League. I don't think you can say that with confidence with the New York Giants, despite their record and the loss they just had. I don't think you can say it with the New York Jets. And that comparison might have worked better if Zach Wilson had impersonated a bum over the weekend. But still, not a terrible record. I don't think you can say it with an undefeated Eagles team and a, and a guy in Jalen Hurts is playing really, really well. Joe Burrow is still Joe Burrow. He's had bad games in Cleveland before. He's had bad games against the Browns before. He's going to have them again, maybe. The sky's not falling. The offensive line is already broken. That's what you got to fix. All right, 855-212-4CBS's phone number. Diesel, happy post-Halloween. You made it. Congratulations. Did you eat a lot of candy last night? Happy post-Halloween to you. Uh, no, I think I showed a little bit of control last night. I had some discipline. I had candy but I wouldn't say I had a lot. I love the the candy power rankings people do, but I'm always intimidated because I feel like I'm going to forget a candy. And I was walking yesterday with my son Henry and his and his buddy Jake, and um, we were in this crazy, crazy street of like people everywhere and party and music and food and crazy stuff. And I saw a couple outside, and they had an entire dish of Airheads. And I realized that that is my number one candy in the power rankings. Don't roll your eyes at me, sir. Number one seems a little high. Airheads are good. I enjoy Airheads just as much as the yeah, next the, guy. The orange flavor? Number one seems a little high. I think I, see, I think I definitely went super awkward. Like, oh, you have Airheads. Those, those would be my number one power rankings. I think that's what I screamed. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, man. And the woman's like, do you want some? And the husband looked at me like, don't. And I'm like, no. But my face said yes. She's like, no, take some. I'm like, I'm okay. And he's looking at me like, you're not a child. Don't take it. And I'm like, no, I, I don't want any thank you. And the woman's like, no, please. Like, is pushing airheads in my face. I'm like, no, I can't because your husband will judge me and, you know, maybe physically strike me. I don't know. Love those airheads. Um, and, and Will had a good little Halloween. This was the first trick-or-treating thing, right? Yeah, I would say uh, the first trick-or-treating was a success. He was into it. So uh, there, there's a part of where I live, a part of my community. They've got this thing called walk streets here. It's such a California thing where the front yards – are actually sidewalks. So there's there's no traffic. It's really safe for kids. And they'll have these all over the place where it's maybe like a block long. But there's a stretch in the community I live in L.A. where there's maybe seven consecutive streets, actually every other street, but they're all next to each other, that are quote-unquote walk streets. The front yards are sidewalks for five blocks. It just, it goes, and so it's, it becomes this raucous, crazy Halloween party. It's wall-to-wall children. It's wall-to-wall people. There's, there's smoke machines. And people get into it. I'm going to tell you a Halloween story that has literally haunted me last night. And I need you to tell me, D-Cell, whether I don't even know who he is, whether the guy who did it is a Halloween genius or should be put on Halloween probation. You and Bogus will offer that verdict of the weirdest thing I've ever seen on a Halloween in my life next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Welcome back into the show. Happy Tuesday. Normally Tuesday is the worst day of the week, but there's still the afterglow. Of Halloween. The magic of Halloween. Favorite candy, Diesel. Go. Not Airheads? Not Airheads. I'm going to go Butterfinger, which is not a well-liked candy. I love Butterfinger. If you gave me my favorite, if you said favorite candy bar, right, excluding the Taffies and the Laffy Taffies and those sort of, the squiggly sour worms, which I think are amazing, excluding the Skittles and Starburst, their own category, I'm going Butterfinger. It doesn't have a good reputation on Halloween. I see a lot of Butterfingers on uh, people's Mount Rushmore of worst Halloween candy. Those people are, are, are wrong. 
and dumb. Bogus. Bogus, what's your favorite candy? Uh, thanks for asking. Thanks for having me today. Uh, hey, I'm going to go with Twix. I love Ooh. Twix. Bit of an upset. My kids don't like Twix. So every year I get to eat all. I, I must have had 11 little mini Twix yesterday, and they're, they're, I always forget how good they are. I'm not really sure how you cannot like Twix. And your children daily amaze us, make us proud, Thank especially you. when they mess with you. Thank you. Um, this is our first fight. I don't, I don't, this one I, I can't comprehend. We don't, I don't want to correct the record because also dad of the year, uh, the schools are very clear. Children are expected to be at school the day after Halloween. Uh, my kids are sleeping. I told them, you know what, to hell that you can just sleep in. <laughs> See, you should have gone to, to Catholic school, school like I did because we were always off the day after Halloween because today is all saints day. I did go to Catholic school like you did. As yet. did I. Yeah. I was always, in high school in particular, I remember because I was older and Halloween was a, had a different, we we're off the day after Halloween because it's all Saints Day. I have no. School were actual Saints. Then. Yeah, I have no recollection of this. Yeah, no, I was, I was at school. I was yep. definitely at school. Nope, I was off. Let me tell you guys a true story. and I want you to just visualize the reality, like the realistic nature of this. So um, we have, I was telling Diesel, we have these, this thing called walk streets here in, in L.A. where the front yard is a sidewalk. There's no traffic. Some of the walk streets in my community go on forever, so they're very safe, right? You can just let your kids run, and there's people, there's people everywhere. People are giving out drinks. Might have had a couple. There's smoke machines. There's, there's, they got. These are rich people. They have, they come and have like people put in zombies coming out of the grass. It's amazing, right? They when kill walk, actual people, make them zombies to have well, at their pretty Halloween. Pretty close. Right. Listen to this. So we walk up, and there's like a guy in a ghoulish outfit. Okay who's, like, giving a speech about this young boy who deserves it. And I can't really see what's going on. And my son's at the front, and there's all these kids around and parents. And he's like, this boy deserved it. He was on his motorized scooter without a helmet, which is a very, like, L.A. thing, right? And he's just giving this whole speech. And I sort of realize, because I'm trying to, like, get a, get a view, he's got a very sophisticated guillotine set up in his yard that raises like 10 feet off the ground. He's got it on a rope, and he has a dummy that looks like a child under the guillotine. And just as I'm starting to comprehend what's happened, he drops the rope. The guillotine comes down, cuts the fake kid's head off, and the parent next to me goes, <gasps> What? And all the and my son just turned and looked at me like, What the bleep? It was a, it was a, um, it was a it was an it, it was a it was a fake but very realistic ritualistic murder on the front yard as the kids were staring. So I'm trying to now it's a dummy, right? Like it's got a dummy head, but it fell off, like it rolled on the ground and I think the neck had, you know, the blood there and it was like a and as I was leaving that he was redoing it and giving the whole speech again. I'm trying to decide if he belongs in the Halloween Hall of Fame or Halloween probation. I'm still Super conflicted about the whole... And the guy next to me, the parent next to me, he had looked down, he had a little kid that was maybe four, obviously like a first kind of hollow. I think his eyes said, is this how Halloween works now? <laughs> and my eyes said, I'm going to drink more of this whiskey. <laughs> not what I just saw. <laughs> so walking around, uh, around my neighborhood, I have at times thought that people have gone too far. Like, there need, they don't need to have six bodies hanging from nooses in their tree or like the I've seen I've seen a guillotine like like they're like at some point it's not like a straight gore fest like it's supposed to be scary but not like 
gross and like entrails and vomit and all that kind of stuff. But that's at least like stationary figures that are clearly yeah. not real. Like this was a like a mini stage show. Yeah. No, it was the whole front yard. Was it was a? Uh, I mean, it was Diesel. I, I, I'm really curious for you come down on this because your worldview <laughs> is interesting. I know, I know. You guys can't wait to hear what I think on all things pop culture. And this, this really for me, listen, he gets an A for effort. I love when people, families, houses go above and beyond for holidays. There's people who love Halloween and great for them. Go all out with the decorations. Now, he doesn't belong in the Halloween Hall of Fame for what he did yesterday. It's a little too much, but I will say this. I don't want to rain on his parade where yes. next year he's doing nothing for Halloween. I want to keep his love for Halloween. Somebody has to tap him on the shoulder and say, dude, a little too much there. A little too graphic. He gets one year. Next year, if it's not scaled back properly, okay. then he is on Halloween probation. Okay. He gets Apparently one he year, last year too. One year to correct it. Okay. All right. Someone's going to have to have the awkward conversation. Uh, I think it should be you, by the way. Let me ask you another awkward question. Let me ask you just another I'm just going to ask it, and it is what it is. I'm not judging anyone, particularly the, the, the parents of my neighborhood. Do the mothers in your neighborhood use Halloween as an excuse to pretend they're in their, their early 20s again? Because that's the other thing my wife and I were just astounded by, were the moms, maybe the dads were the same thing, I didn't pay attention, walking their kids um, in outfits, how do I say this? That left my ten-year-old curious about style choices. <laughs> uh, I did not experience that last insane. night, but I was also out relatively early because my little guy is quite young. I did not see any of that. So there were a couple of ladies in my neighborhood that had on form-fitting, yeah. like like body suits, like. Like that one woman was like a skeleton, and it was basically just like a I don't know what the, the correct term was, but it was it was tight and it was a, like zipped all the way up the front, like the mystique outfit. It was not I don't know what that is either, but so like it wasn't X Men. It wasn't revealing like bare skin revealing, but the like blue creature. I actually got that reference by the way. All right, Diesel wins one. <laughs> so it wow. was, but it, so it was like, but you could see the curves of her body and she wouldn't have worn it if she didn't have curves of her the, sh- the curves to show off so there are a couple but nothing like outlandish okay. there were okay i'm just curious i'm just trying you know what's the expression smoke me if you got them i guess like i don't, I don't yeah right you know yeah good for them yeah if good. i looked like the rock i'd go as the rock without a shirt and walk around flexing my own muscles not buying a mr incredible suit with puffy ones I went as the Scream, as we talked about. Ghost Mask, is that his name? Ghost Man? Go, whatever, the Scream Killer, my, Henry and I both. And I put the mask on the back of my head, right? Because I couldn't see, so I turned it around, so from behind. And there were a couple of times where I turned around and little kids were, like, crying. I'm like, I'm sorry, my son made me do it. I saw more than one kid with a shiny blue Scream mask. Is that a different version of it? Is that a cooler one? Is that, I don't know. I don't know. I, I actually saw three things that scared me. That actually scared me yesterday, okay? One, if I told you guys this, I have an overwhelming fear of Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> you shouldn't <laughs> have told us that. It's an anxiety. No, I, uh, that's brand new information. I just learned that right now. I know I could tell you it's an origin story. There's a whole thing to it. Whatever. The point is, not cool. The foursome that went out is Alice scared the living crap out of me. Wow. I saw some clowns. Don't love clowns. 
But the one that really got me, have you, have you guys read it or at least seen the, the movie? I know what it is, yes. Terrifying. D. Sandler, are you familiar with the It? Uh, yes, saga? this is why I told you you cannot uh, read that oh, book yeah. to your son. My son. A parent took their kid, you know, little Georgie at the beginning of It, and not to ruin anything for anybody who hasn't read it, a little boy, a little boy doesn't make it. Monster gets him, and he's got a, he's got a, and then like later in the book, if I remember right, the creature poses him in a yellow rain jacket and a red balloon to taunt the older brother didn't protect him. Tor- it's horrifying. And this family dressed their kid up as Georgie. This little kid, this kid was walking around in a yellow rain jacket and a red balloon. See, that's Halloween probation right there. You don't get a year to correct that. Right off that's the bat, Halloween you, probation. no costumes next year for that entire family. We bumped into him, and we saw him like, oh, hi, nice outfit. And my wife's like, I love your outfit. And they're like, thank you. And I, then I saw the kid because I saw the it, and I'm like, hello. Hello, young person. <laughs> but see, like, my question is, because I thought this yesterday, there were so many Stranger Things costumes. And a lot of them on, like, little kids that I don't think are old enough to watch Stranger yeah. Things. So are they just wearing it? Because they know in theory it's a cool thing or because they watched it and they shouldn't have and now they know what the Demogorgon is and why it's like eating people's face and stuff like that. Like I, I think it's mom and dad's doing it. But in the Georgie case, it's like the plot line of that character is, you know what I'm saying? Right, like like that kid can't possibly know what he's right. dressed as. I right, mean, I hope right. he doesn't. That's mom right. and dad doing it. And that's exactly why they're on probation next year. You can't use your son and daughter as props for Halloween to carry out your own costumes. But like, I love Jaws, the movie. If I went as a shark and I made my kid like a bloody swimmer, would that be bad? Would they, they, would have, for that? they would have I to have seen the movie. Bad. Well, I think like not as bad because that's old enough. There's sort of an ex- it doesn't tap into the same sort of primal fear as a parent, frankly, or right as that, that yeah. Stephen King like taps into some real primal stuff, like some real fear-based stuff. I think you should do it and just test it and see if you're on probation. I'll do it next year. Get me back. 364, let's go. Um, I was going to do a little three quick mini movie reviews, even though two of them aren't movies. Uh, Diesel, do you, or, or Bogus, do you guys have anything you want to throw into this? Have you guys seen anything recently worth worth reviewing? You know, I finally f- watched uh, House of Dragons, whatever <gasps> it's called. Okay, let's throw it in there. Uh, so have you, have you, you've seen it, right? No. Oh, All right, you so haven't. All right. Do you know how this works? Basically, and one of these movies is um, from 1988, so it's not like there's a lot of rules. Basically, <laughs> you got 15 or 20 seconds to say what you think, and then Diesel buzzes you. Okay. So I'll do, a, I'll do, go, do my three, and then you can close this out? Okay. I'm excited. Shorter than the shortest attention span. Shorter than Kevin Durant's commitment to a team. And shorter than a movie trailer. It's Bill Ryder's Super Short Movie Report. 1988's Roadhouse is the story of an NYU philosophy major who decides to become a rough-and-tumble but zen-based bouncer and takes on a kingpin of a small town who has to go down. The blood and the sorrows only match it turns out by the nudity, which I'd never known before because I've always watched it on cable television. <laughs> the dialogue's terrible. The character development's zero. It's preposterous, but it somehow holds up. Roadhouse, a movie that's not for the family. Home Economics, the television show on some random network. Every episode is 13 minutes long. I've watched seven of them because I'm a good co-host and friend. It is basic. It is uh, 
somewhat dour. The laughs are on the nose, but I find it strangely charming. I'm not sure if it's an insight into good television or just D-Cell's warped sense of entertainment. But either way, I'm going to keep watching. The Peripheral on Amazon is amazing by the creators of Westworld. Long story short, it's about a dystopian world of the 2030s where a lady thinks she's in a video game. Turns out, nope, her brain got transported to the future. Back and forth, she's battling basically 2100. Hard to explain. It's going to sound weird. It's amazing. It's drama-filled. I love it. You should watch it. The Peripheral. It's weird, but it's awesome. Sometimes like this show. Bill, I believe it's called House of Dragons. It recently concluded its first 10-episode season on HBO, HBO Max, and the like. It is a prequel to the world-renowned, highly acclaimed Game of Thrones series. It's either 100 years or 1,000. I'm off by a power of 10 before (laughs) Game of Thrones as we meet the Targaryen family, the family that controls the dragons that were so dominant in Game of Thrones. And here they are with dragons at full strength, Playing the Game of Thrones again a hundred or a thousand years before you met Ned Stark and King Joffrey. It is better than I thought. It's not Game of Thrones, but it's good enough to make me go back. I'm watching Game of Thrones again because House of Dragons was so good. It made me want to watch Game of Thrones again. Back to you. The moment you started talking, D-Cell's eyes lit up like, I'm going to buzz. So you finished it. I finished finished it. Yeah. I was trying to wait because I wanted to be able to, to binge it and watch it like without pause. But I found myself one day going, I got nothing else. Let me hit play. I think I was like caught up pretty quickly, like four or five episodes and had to go week to week, which is kind of torturous because I liked it that much. Um, but it's it's good. It's well done. I know people have, there are some obvious critiques, but in general, over 10 episodes, it was very good, especially in comparison to the way Game of Thrones ended. I have read the book on which I believe it is based or loosely based, Fire and Blood. Correct. I think, and the book is it behind me? It's not. Uh, the book was excellent. I just, you know what it is? You have a relationship with someone. Let's say that you, this didn't happen to me, but let's just say for the sake of the analogy, you have a relationship with someone, you meet them in, in college, and you're together for seven or eight years, and you have this amazing experience, and it's the love of your life, you think, and, and then in the final season, they just turn out to be a totally different person, utterly betray you, ruin the previous six and a half years, and leave you destitute and not believing in love. That is the equivalent of what Game of Thrones did to me. And so to go back to them, all these years later, I've matured, I've learned from my mistakes, I love you, baby. I'm just worried I'm going to have the same ending. I can't speak for season six or seven of House of Dragons, <laughs> right? No, you can't. But I can tell you that season one... was entertaining and it's a good way to slowly maybe really mend the fences and maybe the second time around you know you're not going back to that original boyfriend girlfriend but maybe you're now dating her hot friend that you had your eye on back so many years ago her older sister or Or, younger sister. yeah there you go or twin if you want to get crazy it's up to you but i want to yeah but um i i think it's worth the while although i do applaud your conviction here, sticking to your guns, but I, it might be a little too far. It's good TV. Stuart Kovacs is dating a twin, so if that goes badly, maybe he can have a similar life journey. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he already has because he's Stu and he does what he wants and gets what he wants. <laughs> Watch the peripheral. I, I didn't do it. It's so interesting. 
It's so well done. It's based on a novel from a, I, I, I guess I looked it up on Wikipedia, a critically acclaimed, famous sci-fi writer, one of the best, supposedly. It's, um, I was kind of like lukewarm on it, and I just, there's only three episodes out. I, I've, I binged all three. It's outstanding. It's outstanding, T-Cell. T-Cell, a lot of action. Her, the main character's brother is a um, basically a Marine with a bunch of buddies who are Marines so that they have to protect her. It turns out they're good old boys, and, and there's a lot of shooting and banging and blowing stuff up that you like. You know, the Yeah, you know, you know I like action movies with action. absolutely zero storyline or character development, so <laughs> I'm easy to please. I'm there's easy character to development. Please. <laughs> that, that Roadhouse is – I, I think what's moving missing from movies is the absurdity that somehow turns to gold, like the alchemy of that, because there's a line in that where – just the line is, I know you are, Tinker, that I cannot get out of my head. Where Tinker comes back with the other guys, and they, they didn't stop Patrick Swayze. And the bad guy wants an apology. And Tinker goes, I'm sorry, boss. And he goes, I know you are, Tinker. Then he beats the crap out of the guy next to him. Anyway, you've seen Roadhouse, right, Bogish? I have not. <gasps> I'm sorry. Do you, uh, do you want to ask me if I've seen it? Have you seen it? Uh, no. It's on one of the – it's amazing. Patrick Swayze, who can't act in this film for whatever, it just it is like this, like, and he's dating the hottest doctor ever, and she works in rural Missouri, but she's amazing. She's like, I saw your chart when you came with your bullet wound. You went to NYU. What did you study? This is all reason bouncer. He's like, philosophy. What kind of philosophy? Man's search for meaning. It's so great. It's, I know you are, Tanker. No. All right. <laughs> I got nothing. I also watch Home Economics. You recommend it one time, and I'm like, let's connect. And you're glad you did. Mm, let's not get carried away. I watched it. <laughs> Have you seen Game of Thrones, D-Cell? Uh, no, not a single oh. episode. I asked, you know, I wasn't going to sell you out, but I'm going to. I asked D-Cell this morning, did you wear the Snoopy outfit on Halloween? And his answer verbatim was, my wife said I didn't have to. <laughs> I don't understand. What's the problem? I almost said it was too early. What did she send you uh, wearing to, to work in? What, what did she like to wear to work? Jeans and a sweatshirt. How many candy bars did she give you last night? <laughs> I got more than five. More wow. than I was expecting. You must have been a good boy. Did you get to stay up later than your curfew? Was it... <laughs> I couldn't make it. I fell asleep on my own. Uh, home economics. All right. 855 212 cbs You want to call us? We're going to do NFL Power Rankings after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogus. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right. Welcome back into the show. Happy Tuesday. Bill Ryder with you. Hope you had a great Halloween evening. Whether that was hanging out with the kids or going to a party or just hanging out at the house. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here on the Morning after. The craziness. Uh, we've reached that point in the season where we've got the I don't really believe in several of these teams, but here we are edition of NFL Power Rankings. Some will rise. Others will fall. Let the ranking begin on Writer Than You's NFL Power Rankings. Number five. Do I think Lamar Jackson can win big games? No, I don't. But we're here with the Ravens sitting at five and two. Diesel, good win, bad win when they beat the Bucks. Now, when any team beats the Bucks, how do we assess the victory? Right okay now, win? right now, it's still a good win. Later on in the season, we might look back like we sometimes do with college football and say that was a eh, a meh win. 
Right now, it's still a good win. Congratulations, Baltimore. You've made the list probably for the only time this season. Number four. There's a great line from Sex in the City where a random character goes, I hate myself. If you've seen the show and get the context, you know I can't go any further. But the point is, that's how I feel right now as I say the Minnesota Vikings. T-Cell, you're judging me. Two weeks in a row, and they actually climbed up the list this week. Keep winning. I almost put the Niners on this list. I like had them written down. I had to cross them off because they're born for it, but they're coming. They're on the rise. They're not there. Maybe the Vikings are good enough to overcome Kirk Kissing Cousins. I don't think. I don't believe that for a second. But here they are. They've only got a single loss. They're going to win that division. They're playing really good football. They're beating teams often handily. They look like a complete football team. Do I believe in them? No. Do I think they're going to be a good football team when the uh, going gets tough? And to quote an 80s song, the tough get going? I don't. But this is the universe we live in. Number three. Uh, what a really good football. There are a lot of great football teams this year. There's a lot of there's a lot in the middle. But I'm into the Eagles. I know they're legitimate. I know they're excellent. And we talked very briefly yesterday about Dan Orlovsky, our friend, friend of the show, ESPN NFL analyst who's blown up in the last few years and deservedly so tagging Jalen Hurts as the best decision maker in the National Football League, which is such an interesting and smart insight because if you can make the right decisions, and he obviously has athletic ability, but if you can make the right decision to this stage of his career with the roster that team has, with the defense that team has, let's be honest, right, with an NFC that's not overwhelmingly scary when you look across the field, you can do some things. Undefeated Eagles team, they've beaten the teams in front of them, and while I don't think that they're on the level of the teams that are going to follow on this list, I do think they are not just the best team in the NFC as it relates right now to record. I think you put them against any team in the NFC right now, they're the favorite because they're playing that level of football. Number two. I know they're 5-2. and two. I know they're coming off of a bye. Kansas City Chiefs. I, I still think there's two teams that define a, a level in the NFL this year that is separate from everybody else. And while Kansas City has a couple losses, including that loss at home to the Buffalo Bills, and even though there is lackadaisical play at times, and even though Patrick Mahomes, by the standards of Mahomes, hasn't been at the all-time great sharpness level that we expect, they're just so good, they're so dangerous. And I think one of the things that's going under the radar, and 5-2 and is a good record, is the fact this defense largely plays very well and always plays pretty well. And it was a few years ago where we all said correctly, Man, if you can get to, uh, you know, the 20th best defense, which means only the 10th, 10th worst, they're the favorite. And they're better than that. They're solid defensively. At times, they're better than solid defensively. The offense is still the offense. Mahomes is still Mahomes, and the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. Number one. I mean, the Buffalo Bills are such a complete football team. And I already said this, and I'm, I'm sort of a broken record here, but that win against the Packers, like a win against the Bucks, hard to assess how valuable, how impressive, how good of a victory it is. But I think that the reality that we saw in the first half is more Buffalo than we saw in the second half. I know the Packers closed the gap. I know the 27-17 final score reflects maybe a closer game than some people thought. I know that there was a sense of optimism for a point for, for the Packers. But I said this before, and I will say it again, the Bills let their foot off the gas. They knew the game was won. Josh Allen got a little careless with the football and just with his general focus. The Bills are dominant. The Bills are incredible. And the Bills are now in a position, like the Chiefs, shouldn't do it, better do it in the second half, 
where they can kind of play with their food, even if their food is Aaron Rodgers, and they're just, just fine. That is a great football team. Honorable mention. I almost put the Niners on here. What would you have done if I got Niners five or four? Celebrated me? Probably. Probably. But I'm, I'm waiting here. I think I know who you're going for honorable mention. Do you, well, this is the Niners. This is, this is oh, the you're Niners. going Niners here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got another one. I got You can do honorable mention again in a second. I'll say this about the Niners. The one thing that helped me back, I think they're a great football team. Jimmy G's just not very good. He just doesn't look very good. When Christian McCaffrey throws a, a touchdown pass and you say that's what it's supposed to look like, you know that there's some problems. <laughs> Here, we want to do another one because there's another one. Honorable mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your Cowboys team. I, the thing is, yeah! you, beat, you beat the Bears. And the Bears kind of came back. I mean, look, the Cowboys put up, what, not quite a 50-burger if I remember, I think it was 49 points that they dropped on Chicago's, can I even call it a defense? Can we take the de- the defense? It's less than a defense, the defense. But they're, I got it. Dak Podoch, blah, blah, blah. You're a Cowboys fan, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. Let's do one more. Here's your participation trophy. I'm just going to put the Seattle Seahawks in some sort of mix and conversation because they're atop that division. They're winning football games. They're 3-1 and at home, so that home field advantage up in the upper northwest has become a real thing. Geno Smith looks solid. Pete Carroll may want to tank, but he's too good a coach to do it. Super, super interesting football team. Right, let's talk some baseball. We have not hit the World Series, and we're going to be led through all the ins and outs that we need, Donnie. So, big Lebowski reference to yourself by Alana Rizzo, our friend from MLB Network. She joins us next here on CBS Sports Radio.